Hello from elsewhere, I'm Casey. And I'm Valerie. And this episode comes to you straight from the lava beaches of Mustafar. Which is fitting because we're discussing villains and their motives. Valerie, do you believe in shapeshifters? Like, do they exist in real life? Yes. I think people can be chameleons to their situations. Wrong. No, there are shapeshifters. <laughs> the, there are shapeshifters in the world. I need proof. Where's so, the proof? No. So I was sitting in the Walmart parking lot waiting for the groceries to be delivered, right? Uh-huh. And as most Walmart parking lots are, it was there's crows all over the place or other assorted birds. Here in Utah, we get seagulls. Yeah, but this Walmart which is weird. had crows. And I've seen okay. crows at this Walmart before. Mm. And they hang out around your car because they're waiting for you to drop some Cheez-Its or, or saltines. Fries falling out. And, and they make crow sounds, as crows do. I and an example. No. And, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> You're refusing to cough for me? Come on, Casey. Yep. This isn't that hard. And Do it for the fans. So I heard. They want to hear you cough. So I'm sitting there, and I, I know crows have been there before, and I heard, cough, uh, cough. <laughs> And I, I look in the my side view mirror. I'm I'm just sitting there waiting, right? And in the mirror, walking past the vehicle, is a woman dressed in black. <laughs> and she looks right at the side view mirror and smiles. Like she knows that I was watching and waiting for a crow to come into view, but a person came into view. She I could see on her face the thought, Yeah, that's right. I'm a shapeshifter. No one's gonna believe you. She was a crow and then turned into a human. That's quite the story. And went inside to get her milk and eggs. As crows do. As crow shapeshifter women do. But, you know, talking about pure evil, that woman is pure evil. She's like a Maleficent. Yeah, but I real. I crows follow Maleficent. I mean, she's got the, the crow friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's that crow's name? I don't know. It's a great question. Sam Walton? No. No. Oh. I don't know who that is. He's the, the, he's the founder of Walmart. Oh, there we go. That makes sense. That ties uh, it back in. Sometimes I tell jokes and I don't really care if you don't get it because someone out there listening gets it. So it's fine. <laughs> you might not laugh, but someone is laughing. I just was in the mindset of normally your references are, you know, pop culture. Mm. So I was trying to rack my brain for an actor named Sam Walton oh, or right. something. So okay. I just wasn't thinking walmart right casey i have an all-important question for you okay what villain terrified you as a child the child catcher from chitty chitty bang bang he's a classic villain i he's he's so terrifying i don't really want to explain more i don't want to talk about it (laughs) just move it on in my head i remember watching it and he had green skin and you watch it now and it's kind of a yellowish skin but you know how your memory changes things and i'm pretty sure he had green skin almost like a male version of the wicked witch of the west Mm. rather the you know the real the real character is a much more pale sallow yellowish color but like scut farkas's eyes exactly exactly like scut farkas's eyes do you think scut farkas grows up to be the child catcher child snatcher Mm. child catcher child snatcher i don't i don't remember now i think it's child snatcher isn't it like I said, I try not to think about it too much because <laughs> he's terrifying. Come out, little children. I have some candies for you. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks. Not going that for that lollipop. Fair enough. Yeah, I'd rather get beat up by Scut Farkas. 
who grows up to be the child snatcher. Valerie, what villain terrified you as a child? Gremlins. Oh, yeah, we've talked about gremlins. Reoccurring nightmares of gremlins. But see, they're not villains unless you don't follow the rules. They were in my nightmares they were villains. Hmm. I think I only caught parts of the movie that I wasn't supposed to be watching as a child. So you don't know the rules. So I don't know the rules. And I don't know the whole story. I just, well, I mean, I know the rules now. What is it? Like, can't. They're not supposed to get wet. Stay up after midnight. You can't feed them after midnight. Feed them after midnight. But they never say when you can feed them. What's the window? Because any time is after midnight. (laughs) But they're they're called Mogwai, I believe. Mm. And then when they turn evil, then they are gremlins. Gremlins. Mm -hmm. I've still never seen gremlins because reoccurring nightmares. That can be our Halloween goal. Watch gremlins and chitty chitty bang bang. Face our fears Mm -hmm. for Halloween. I actually like Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, the rest of the movie, but not the child snatcher slash catcher. All right. Today we're talking about villains. We really wanted to discuss pure evil. Thank you. Look at the Beach Boy song, Heroes and Villains. It's my favorite of those. We really wanted to talk about heroes and... No, we didn't. Dang it. You messed me up. (laughs) Not heroes. We really wanted to talk about villains and... The, the difference between pure evil villains and villains with um, slightly more complex motives or villains that are humanized. A quick caveat, uh, I've mentioned the podcast Sincerely Us before. They recently did an episode about villains in uh, musicals. Oh, that's and fun. So that they one. kind of beat us to, to the punch. You and I had this on the docket a while ago, but they actually recorded it and put it out. So I'm kind of mad at them for that. Not really. It's actually a really awesome episode. You should go listen to it. Eni and Becca have an amazing discussion on that episode it's one of my favorites of theirs so i'm gonna go listen to it but they cover a lot of the similar ground as we might cover and that's okay so i don't think we have any musicals on our list though Mm, maybe not but we might get into similar discussions and themes philosophically yes let's jump right in are we where we start in pure evil pure evil man okay what what pure evil villain comes to mind when you think of that think of a pure evil villain palpatine Mm, sheev Numero uno. I think I've said it before, but when you when you name your child Sheev, they will become pure evil. That's just simple math. But so you're taking that off the list of future baby names, like Sheev mm, is a middle name. It, yeah, Sheev's a middle name for sure. Next next child's <laughs> middle name. Boy or girl, name it. it doesn't Sheev. matter. Yep, Sheev. Oh, which is funny because I had a friend ask me after our last episode whether I am pregnant because you said something about spring and and babies and i laughed right it, i am not listening pregnant. back it sounded like you, <laughs> like, you were a like hint or something? giggly or yeah that's because we recorded late at night spreading rumors but no i was just being ridiculous and talking about romance but it's just funny because here we are talking making. about baby names again oh man so i'm not pregnant <laughs> camille i'm not pregnant <laughs> <laughs> uh, we just love names yeah. so Sheev, the evil Palpatine. emperor did you know Palpatine in episode five, the original version, was played by a woman? Really? The, so Palpatine's first on-screen appearance is in the hologram. And so okay. there's um, a woman with some superimposed baboon face thing going on in the original. It's not there anymore because they've put Ian McDiarmid in the, in the cuts of Empire Strikes Back now mm. um, just to add some consistency. But you can go find on YouTube the, the original footage from... The old cuts of, of Empire Strikes Back. But yeah, it was played by a woman. I can't remember I can't remember her name. Actually, there's a sad history in Star Wars. I, I didn't really plan to go here. I don't but we're just going with it. There's a sad history of women being um cut or underappreciated in Star Wars or things just happening. Like Empire Strikes Back, 
Um, she still has a story credit, but there was a woman, uh, there was a woman named Lee Brackett who has a story credit, but she passed away during production. And I don't think a lot of her story stuff for Empire Strikes Back actually ultimately got used. Um, but then also the woman that played Palpatine, um, there's lost footage of a lot of women pilots in Return of the Jedi that got cut as well. And there's even one still in there, but they dub her voice with a man's voice. Huh. So it's all kind of sad and I'm not happy about that, but... That, that was the one I learned recently. And now we're already off the rails. I apologize. Palpatine. <laughs> <laughs> so villains, I feel like it comes down to motive. To be pure evil, I think they need to just want to take over the entire world or the entire galaxy or everything. Like their their motive is just ultimate power and who cares what happens to anybody else kind of a feeling. Right. In in the original trilogy, we don't know that much about Palpatine. We get no backstory on him. We don't know how he rose to power. You know, this is before the prequels came out. Right. All we know is that he wants everybody's freedom taken away. And he's kind of a jerk. Not kind of a jerk. He's really a jerk to Darth Vader, let alone to the good guys, obviously. But even but to his even own. But even to somebody that right, is working with you. So he's really not in the original trilogy much, which is ironic that people were upset about what we got from Snoke in the sequel trilogy when it's really just a parallel to Palpatine. Like, we don't get backstory because pure evil characters, I don't know, I think that makes it him less pure evil, and that's not what Star Wars is going for with that archetype of a character. They are going for the pure evil um, with very simple motives of ruling the galaxy. And maybe this is getting into the um, the humanized villains, but it's really interesting looking at the dichotomy of Palpatine and Vader and Snoke and Kylo Ren um, and Palpatine and Darth Maul a little bit too in the prequel. And then you add in the cartoons as well of Clone Wars and Rebels and, and how there's this one pure evil character, obviously Palpatine or Snoke. And what makes the dark side so much more interesting is not those characters, but the lackeys the underlings uh the darth vader who is um believed to have some good in him by by his son and then kylo ren as well who uh ray believes has um still has good in him and i think the power of those stories isn't isn't a purely good character against a purely evil character it's a somewhat evil character but a little more living in the gray complex motivations who is the one that ultimately takes out the the pure evil villain and obviously, we don't have Rise of Skywalker out, so this um, this you parallel. You mean the could... one where Kylo Ren becomes the Stop, new Snoke? Don't say it. Ultimate evil, his rise to the dark side. Yeah. Well, that already happened, but he's going to be redeemed. So <laughs> his rise to a darker side, <laughs> to the mm. darkest of dark sides. We should like make a bet about this. A bet. Yeah, an on-air bet. I don't know. You and I aren't betting types. What could we? What could we bet? If I'm on the side of Ben Demption. Ben Solo being redeemed. You're on the side of him being becoming the pure evil character. What's One of us is going to be right, you or maybe not. Some maybe, there's, maybe there's some middle ground. I don't he know. could just be a great character forevermore. What's interesting about Palpatine is that even though we get more of him in the prequel trilogy, we still don't get much in terms of his backstory or right. The, Why is he this evil guy? He's never humanized, and no. I think that was a good choice i think that was the right choice that um other characters around him and and that story is really about anakin and his fall his his going the opposite direction of being human to 
a villain, Becoming less a villain. human, maybe not less human. Maybe that's the wrong way of putting it. But but yeah, going from good to to evil, and that story works on that grand that grand level because it's a pure evil character as the puppet puppet master. I think there's value to both pure evil and humanized villains. It's fun to see a pure evil villain get taken down. I feel like sometimes that seems more. I don't know what you'd call it. Cathartic. More exciting, more cathartic, more like, yes, that evilness is just gone in the world. Like, you don't regret their demise at all. Whereas sometimes a humanized villain, and we'll get into some of these, sometimes a humanized villain, you're like, oh, well, it's kind of sad they had to go, or whatever it may be. It's like, more of a tragedy than a triumph right. kind of a thing. Yeah. Yes. So when you're defeating a pure evil villain, you get to triumph versus feel sorry for them, which I like both. That's why it's... It's fun to talk about both. So along the lines of same pure evil characters, you got to put Sauron out there, Lord of the Rings. He's the one that first comes to my mind, and it's probably because he's so um, disembodied throughout. We get little, uh, you know, book and and movie, we get instances of him having a more human form, but for the most part, he's just a giant fiery eyeball that (laughs) wants to rule Middle-earth and have the power of the ring and... Again, it's it's a fairly simple simple motivation, and I think it comes from the way that Tolkien Tolkien wrote about it. That he just really seems not just a character, but he is like the theme of evil. Yeah. He is both. He's not just an evil character. He is evil in the world as a whole. Is all Sauron. And I think the genius of of Sauron as a character is that his evil has been poured into the ring, and so even though Sauron is present in the story very very little his presence is still felt throughout the story because of of the shadow that the ring casts the ring, on the, the whole ring story race, like all of his minions that are out and about that's interesting to talk about not only the evil character but their minions right and in the case of of sauron most of them are pretty purely evil as well although the ring race at one point were men Sorry, what were you going to say? No, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, when I think of Sauron as and minions as pure evil, I think of Maleficent as pure evil and her minions. They feel very similar to me. Like, Remind me of what her minions are like. I love Maleficent she's as a character, got, but it's well, been a while She's got her main it. crow and then she's got like oh, yeah, the little pig creatures with tusks and lots of little yeah. like animal. But almost orc-like. Even. Yeah, yeah. They're almost orc-like, like personified animals that are just seem like there to do her bidding very much like the orcs they seem very they feel very similar to me we can't talk about sauron and without talking about maleficent no (laughs) sauron and his lackeys or minions or underlings without talking about your favorite saruman no (laughs) the mouth of sauron your favorite your favorite character i love him (laughs) let the record show that almost daily valerie talks Aww. like the mouth of Sauron well now you sound like ZZ Top I do. but 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 you do a mouth of Sauron thing almost daily and um it's just part of my nature now that's why I married you <laughs> my I mouth guess. of Sauron impressions <laughs> yeah <laughs> but so we've talked about Sauron as pure evil and his minions as pure evil but again like Star Wars there's other characters that are evil and villainous and antagonistic but in a way that is more relatable so it's not so even though you think of lord of the rings as this story about pure evil evil. and good yeah good versus evil there is still some middle ground in um, people like grima worm tongue 
who's pretty gross, but he, he's more in the world. I don't know if that makes sense. A little more grounded. But then also, I know you probably don't want to talk about him, but Gollum is a, a character that... He definitely has some humanity left. When he derives some sense of feelings in the characters and in the audience or the reader of of pity you know pity is mentioned throughout the books but just yes he's a he is a tragic character right as much as you don't want to be his best friend you also feel sympathy for him and his situation whereas sauron you're like eh he can go he's pure evil you know yeah you want you sort of root for Gollum to make the right choice in the end yes whereas you never even expect it of Sauron yeah so maybe that's another uh, a key to figure out whether they're pure evil or whether they're more humanized is what your emotion is as a participant in it yeah and and what what you you expect from them or wish for them or wish for them if you that's interesting yeah if you can see them like Sauron like they're just pure evil and you don't expect anything good from them whereas Gollum there's still that hope left so maybe hope is the key. If there's hope for them to be a better person or or they might be able to be swayed in some way to do the right thing, then they're a little more humanized. All right, should we jump into the wizarding world of Harry Potter? Well, we can't not talk about Voldemort as pure evil. Yeah, which he's an interesting one because we get some background on, on Sauron and especially if you know the lore of Lord of the Rings and then the background but even when you learn all that, his motivations are still pretty evil. And Palpatine and Snoke, we don't get any backstory, and they're purely evil. With Voldemort, we get some pretty... Um, Deep backstory. We figure yeah. out a lot about him, and yet he still seems way more evil than his circumstances should have warranted. Right, and he he is born into a very sad situation yes. uh, with his, his parents and being at the orphanage and all this, but even as a child, he's hard to root for because of... Right, even as a child. Because, I don't know what you call them, the ladies who run the orphanage, even they're terrified of him, which, you know, if they're terrified of him, you know that they probably weren't terribly mistreating him. Yes, it wouldn't be wonderful circumstances, but it doesn't seem as though he was ever being abused he was the abuser yeah of of animals and the other kids and probably the teachers as well and yeah i just think it's interesting he discovered early on this power that he had and immediately chooses to use it in all the wrong ways so when sirius black says that we all have some light and dark in us i don't know (laughs) he just always chooses to follow the dark Mm, interesting that is a that's a debate i think not that I disagree with you. I just don't know. I don't know. I'm sure someone could make an argument that even Voldemort has some sort of good in him, but it's hard. He's a hard one. I think if he did at some point, he has now chosen dark for so long that he's pretty pure evil. What I like about Voldemort, though, is although he's pure evil, his motivations aren't quite as simple as just ruling the world. His motivation, True. which I don't think the movies really hit it hard enough that in, in a way that books did, in that he is so motivated by fear of death and he will do anything to not die, to attain that immortality, even more so than trying to rule the wizarding world. It's like that's a byproduct I mean, right down of to the, the power. name that he picks, Voldemort. Right. What does like, Vol mean again? To steal. Like, to steal, yeah. yeah. Which J.K. Rowling always said that it was meant to be pronounced in the French way, Voldemort, Voldemort but <laughs> um, the books caught on before. She could stop people from saying Voldemort. <laughs> and so even by the time the movies came out, it was too late. Too late. They'll, they'll just say it in a... Come on, everybody else is pronouncing Hermione's name wrong, and they fixed that. The movie could have said yeah. Voldemort. 
but yeah, he wants to be this this thief of death. It's truly fascinating that as we talk about evil characters being pure evil versus humanized, that Voldemort is literally giving away his humanity every time he creates a Horcrux. He's giving away pieces of his soul, his humanity. Like he's also st- he restructuring choosing. his body, his face to look less human throughout. Like we get more in the well, books. Well, I feel like that was more because when his no, because in the books... He had been a snake so long. He had its characteristics. Yeah, but in the in the books, we get that s- flashback of of Tom Riddle coming to Hogwarts and talking to Dumbledore that we don't get in the movies and how it's sort of this between stage of, of human and the Voldemort we know. And I don't know if it would translate super well to screen. It might look a little bit silly, but I always liked that scene in the, in the Half-Blood Prince book. You read that more recently than I did. I had forgotten it about it, but... Um, yeah, just just what I said that he was talking to Dumbledore and it was a Dumbledore was a bit shocked by his appearance that, okay. he, that he was becoming less human and Dumbledore had had made note of it. I think that's more. Do you think he was literally like? Do you think he was doing that purposefully, I or do. do you think that was a side effect of the Horcruxes I, he'd been creating? I could be wrong, but I feel like the books explain that he was using magic to change the way he looked. But I that could have been an inf- inference that i made i'm sure i'm sure someone out there remembers uh for sure but we can't talk about harry potter without talking about the purest evil character dolores umbridge she may be pretty in pink but she is a terror i feel like dolores umbridge would keep pet gremlins Mm. just to torment the children with and gladly feed them after midnight only when they're in the presence of the children Mm. But during the day, they'd be like her cuddly cats. Maybe the cats are Mogwai. Yes. And we just never see them turn into gremlins. Stephen King said of of Dolores Umbridge, he called her the greatest make-believe villain to come along since Hannibal Lecter. (laughs) (laughs) Which is wonderful. And accurate, I think. I think she is. Can you you call that high praise? Or is it negative like I mean high I praise for yeah. yeah, high praise for JK Rowling's writing. Right, right. But as far as Dolores Umbridge, maybe she'd consider it high praise too. Mm. Are you calling her a cannibal? Because <laughs> we're getting to weird territory. No, I'm just saying that she would consider herself pure evil. Mm. Do pure evil people consider themselves pure evil? I think or do that, they just think they're right? I think that's what makes them stepping outside the universe of the story itself, I think that's what makes them a pu- one thing that denotes them as a purely evil character is that they don't spend the time in that sort of complexity that they're they're not questioning their own motives and ideas and the why because um like adam driver for example has often talked about how he doesn't think that kylo ren thinks of himself as the villain but palpatine and snoke and sauron they don't take time for those sorts of thoughts Hmm. and whereas so would you say that a humanized uh, villain would consider so jumping ahead a little bit, if you talk about, uh, we're going to bring up Thanos because mm-hmm. he knows, or, or we consider him humanized because he has deeper motives or motives where he wants to save the universe, right. but do it in a very negative way. Mm-hmm. And so he would probably at least recognize that people consider him the villain, but he himself would say that he's a savior. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. I think that the the stories themselves aren't presenting those purely evil characters as complex enough to spend time thinking about that, to spend time thinking about anything beyond their purely evil and simple motives. Whereas these other, I don't know if you call them side characters, but 
Um, these other more complex characters are complex because they would spend time thinking about their motives and don't think of themselves as evil. I, I don't know. I mean, we said it in jest. I don't know that Umbridge is purely evil, but she's close. Right. You know. What about the Joker from Batman? He's, yeah, pure evil, all about chaos and a purely chaotic evil character. I know. I feel like he is the most terrifying of all Batman villains hmm. because of the way he comes about his evil or the way he presents it, like the way he, like you said, the chaos and the and the mind games that he plays because he's a more psychological villain, it seems. Right, and the... And the defining factor of a psychopath or a sociopath is that they have no remorse or guilt um and they don't really care what anyone thinks and they don't even think about it themselves even to the point of he doesn't care if he dies he would love for batman to finally break his vow of not killing anyone Mm -hmm. but again just like the other stories we've mentioned the dark knight specifically works so well as a movie i think because he's not the only villain we also have Harvey Dent, who is a very humanized, humanized villain that we see his fall from grace. And, and you um, can sympathize with him. And it's tragic, yeah, and you can sympathize and you feel for him and you don't want him to go down that path. Let's mention a few more classics. We've got Scar from Lion King. Yeah, a lot of the Disney, especially Maleficent. older Disney, and I feel weird saying the, Lion King's older, but... even The Evil Witch in Snow White. They're all pretty pure evil because... At least that's how storytellers think, is that children deal better with the simplicity of, of um, good versus evil without A complexity. villain to defeat, yeah. And yet you look at more recent Disney fare and a lot of, and, and any children's stories, a lot of the villains are much more complex. Right, like if you think about Teka is also, or was also Tefiti and returns to being Tefiti, like there's this, um, you know, from Moana, there's this distinction that she isn't pure evil. And by extension, Maui isn't a purely heroic character because a lot of the villainous things that have happened are his fault. Right, you're testing the children to understand these more complex ideas about good versus evil, human nature, the gray zones. There's also Ursula. She's pretty pure evil. Yeah, she's scary. Sid she's from the Toy Story. Toy Story. Yeah, but he's kind of humanized as a garbage man now. <laughs> That's true, when you get later stories. <laughs> and you kind of feel bad for him. When oh, at the Toy end. Story That's 1 terrifying. is really scary when you think about it, those toys. I mean, Even if you love your toys, like as a child, you just love your toys. Do you really want them to come alive? I don't think I did, ever. I mean, I didn't torture my toys, so I wouldn't worry about them attacking me. But what if the toys were pure evil? Right. I don't know. How do you know? So in this in this episode... And in a lot of episodes, we tend to stick to things that are accessible or a lot of people know. But we also like to throw in uh, little things that maybe are a little more obscure or not all of our listeners have experienced in some way. Like, for example, Hunt for the Wilder People. Which, if you haven't seen the fabulous movie, it's on Hulu, right? Is that Go where watch we watched it, it now. The other night? Go watch it now. It's wonderful and hilarious and beautiful because it's New Zealand. But there's this character named Paula, and she works for Child Welfare Services. And would you say she's pure evil? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't. I don't know how to talk about Paula. It's harder to talk about it in a comedy because she's a comedic antagonist, not really yes. a villain. You're not really supposed to take her super seriously, but also she takes herself very seriously. Yeah, and her job is her number one priority, and she thinks she's doing her best at it. 
No child left behind. No child left behind. No <laughs> child know, left behind. He'll know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I love her character so much. It's she so makes funny. me so happy. <laughs> but she is definitely one of those that I think you'd consider more of an, an antagonist than a villain. Because she doesn't really mean him harm, but she also isn't exactly looking out for his welfare. And also, can we talk about how in the Netflix original movie, Tall Girl, Tall Girl spoilers, Tall Girl spoilers ahead, that Dunkelman is a pure evil character. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I'd go with pure evil. No, pure evil. But his motives are definitely biased toward himself. He's a selfish character. We just watched Tall Girl on Netflix at the... um, We are conflicted. Suggestion from listener Sarah because Steve Zahn... Is Steve in Zahn. Now, he, Tall Girl. We had no faults with Steve Zahn in never, Tall Girl. Never, never. He's wonderful. He actually is really good in this movie. Right. Steve Zahn, he'd be a great dad. I kept wanting him to show up more. Um, yes. He's if really there good. There could have been more Steve Zahn. And I liked, the movie overall is fine. I, well, I liked the message it was trying to convey that, um, you know, being comfortable in your own skin and being accepting of the things about yourself but also not letting them completely define you and just be mm-hmm. one part of yourself i think our main problem was the trope of best friend guy that just strives hard enough and all of a sudden you'll fall in love with him yeah keep trying keep trying then she'll like you that's a very dangerous trope and i might not have cared as a teenager probably because i felt like i was a bit of the nice guy and luckily when girls rejected me as often happened <laughs> Um, Never, that Casey. I was more of an internalizer and just sort of shied away. But, um, but yeah, I think it's a dangerous idea that if you're just nice to get with the girl, then if you keep being nice, then she'll finally accept you and, and love you. And that's really bad. Let's move on to our favorite humanized villains, Casey. We mentioned Thanos. Right. His goal yeah, is we can to... talk about Thanos save the universe to create a better universe worlds for each of the people who are left behind i've conflicted feelings about thanos in the sense that the movie presents him as loving his daughter gamora even though he's abusive and evil toward her but also he loves her i that's kind of problematic and i don't know really how to unpack that but it's there. So I just wanted to acknowledge it. Yep. But also, I did appreciate the first time we saw Infinity War that they were, that movie is from Thanos' perspective. He is the so called hero of that movie. He's the protagonist of that film. And I thought that was a, a fun and interesting and unexpected choice that the filmmakers made. Thanos is interesting because you do get some of his backstory. His childhood was unhappy, his world had been spoiled because of too many people overpopulation. And so he really feels like this is the way to solve it. And you do feel like he cares for Gamora in some way, a twisted way, and that he is truly sad that he has to kill her, but kill her he does. And so it's interesting that he really is very evil, but you can almost maybe in a slight way see where he's coming from. Like, well, he's trying to make things better for everybody else. Yeah, I think that that's what makes him compelling to a lot of people and to to us included is that idea that his uh his plan almost makes sense in a sort of twisted way and you like when when a villain likes their opponent when a villain likes the hero Mm. or when a villain can see some good in the you know you know can appreciate the hero in some way like i 
I feel like he thinks that way about Steve Rogers. Like he values him as an opponent. Hmm. Like he's worthy of him. And also, um, when he's surprised by Peter Quills was willing to take out Gamora as she asked. At first, he says, you know, he doesn't have the guts. And yeah. then he is impressed. And he says something. Does he say, I like this one or something? Like, there's mm. there's a very sense dad of... Very dad thing to say. Yeah, very dad thing to say. Like, oh, he maybe he is good enough for you. Like, And I, I find it fascinating when a, when, a villain, when a villain values their hero, their opponent. Yeah, for sure. That's much more interesting than them just not caring at all. And being at complete odds with each other. And it makes it more scary, almost, or... It's like they can describe that. It, was, it feels like they can see through the hero, know their weaknesses and strengths, and they're and not scared, and so that makes seriously. you scared as an audience member for the hero, yes. kind of a thing. Which makes me think of the Kree in Captain Marvel, because they value Captain Marvel and her ability to the extent that they try to control control it, rather than just rather than kill just her. get rid of her. They're like, we can put this to our use. Yeah. And that's almost a more terrifying fate for a hero than than death, dying. Yeah. yeah, that they would be misused for years. I think it's interesting. What, in this discussion, I wanted to bring up the idea that, and I, I've touched on it already, but how pure evil villains aren't really in vogue in Hollywood anymore. There's very few of those purely evil villains, and almost all villains in these big movies and antagonists in small movies have a lot of complexity to them. And I think that's why there was so much of a reaction against Snoke is because we haven't seen... It's not as common. It's just not as common anymore. And it's an it's an old idea that a lot of people feel like we've moved past. Um, and I hope in this episode we've shown that both have value and that often in stories where there's a purely evil villain, it's uh, he's not alone. There's, there's some complexity in other characters surrounding them. But I was also thinking about how... Um, and I don't know that this is a much of an extended thought, but I, it's just interesting how... There's a, a period in time in Hollywood that there were multiple stories that were focused on the villain as the protagonist. And especially in, in children's movies like Megamind and Despicable Me both came out fairly close to each other. And they're both about uh, these villain characters who who become heroes. And I, I just think ideas like that in our, our society and our um, in pop culture are much more prevalent than those purely evil characters. It's definitely a trend to see, yeah, not only the villains being humanized, but them as main characters. And, and just to be able to see the gray in them versus yeah, considering them pure evil. And even in stories that are more serious, uh, I have to talk about Kylo Ren. And I'm, I'm sorry, but it's been too long since I waxed poetic about Kylo Ren, and I'm going to do it. But you look at A New Hope and Darth Vader. Darth Vader has very little screen time in A New Hope. And I know a lot of people that say that The Force Awakens is just a rehash of A New Hope. And we've talked about it. There are many, many parallels. And I understand if that was a, a turnoff for someone as an audience member. But the movies are clearly much more... The, the sequel trilogy is much more interested in adding complexity to Kylo Ren as a character in Force Awakens and then definitely in The Last Jedi where we get so much Kylo Ren and it is just as much a Kylo Ren story as it is a, a Rey. Rey story. Yes, they're very much equal partners for first place character there. <laughs> and I think it's no small act that the first time we have any flashback in a Star Wars movie is in The Last Jedi and it's about Kylo Ren. I think it adds so much weight and importance to his character and... I also really appreciate the choice to give us that flashback three three times 
getting closer and closer to the truth by the third one, um, each time getting more about Kylo Ren as a character, starting out in the, you know, we as the audience start out feeling about Kylo Ren the same way that Ray does, that he's a monster and he he killed Han Solo and all of that is is true. He is still very villainous, but we just get a little bit of uh, complexity here and there about how that he feels that he has been betrayed by by Luke because he wakes up and sees Luke standing over him with an ignited lightsaber and you totally see where he's coming from. But even before that, he had been doing negative things it seemed. Hmm. Like the Knights of Ren, wasn't that all pre-Luke? All we know is that Luke looked into Kylo Ren's mind and saw darkness, but whether you infer that that darkness had happened or was a future thing i like to think that luke was looking into kyle and we've talked about this that luke was looking into kylo ren's future and and it's an oedipus rex thing by igniting his lightsaber he brings that future brings to yeah pass. exactly that wouldn't have happened if luke just hadn't looked i liked your point that we get to know kylo ren as ray does and that we he becomes more humanized to us at first you do picture him as being a new Darth Vader, and that'll be it. He'll just be the evil guy. Um, but he has so much more depth to him, which I like. And the beauty of the twists in The Last Jedi is that it isn't twists of familial Family. relations. It's twists of expectations. That we go on the ride with Rey of we think Kylo Ren's a monster. Then we start to like him and think that there's good in him. And then... We're fighting alongside him, that and it's awesome. there's a possibility, possibility of good, good. In him. And we're fighting along... I'm still holding out, Casey. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that... And then we're fighting alongside him, and we think, oh, this is a Darth Vader situation. This is Return of the Jedi, and this is the turn where Kylo Ren turns to the good side. And then our expectations are twisted again, and we realize that, no, he is trying so hard, and this is why I love Kylo Ren, he is trying so hard to be that purely evil villain... And what I find interesting about Kylo Ren is that he won't be that purely evil villain. I'm convinced that he won't be that purely evil villain as much as he wants to be and tries to be. Self-fulfilling, the (laughs) self-fulfilling, can I say this? Self-fulfilling prophecy. He will become that evil guy. There's definitely a chance. And he will continue. But I just think he's much more interesting character if he he doesn't reach that goal. No, stop <laughs> trying to put words in my mouth. <laughs> You're just like Luke standing I over me like with an ignited lightsaber. It's just another Darth Vader moment. If he turns to the light at the last minute, saves the day, it is, yada, yada, yada. He needs to stay. Sorry, am I, your look on your face. Am I not allowed to say yada, yada, yada about Star Wars? <laughs> no, I, no, I was, that was my, my face was just cu- coming up with a rebuttal. It wasn't... Uh, <laughs> You offended like by yada yada you're yada. judging no. me on my i don't think so on my uh <laughs> just saying that star wars is you know the same again that's why i don't want him to be another darth vader i want him to be his own character well, finally in that case maybe the middle ground is the best way to go because that's stay gray yeah stay gray kylo ren <laughs> i i want to say that yes it is a parallel to darth vader but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing because we have so Here's much really more hope, complexity Casey. to Kylo Ren already. My mind is in other places. Here's what I think. Happy ending. This is what this is 100% what's going to happen in The Rise of Skywalker is that Kylo Ren and Rey will just decide that 
they love each other and they're just going to move off on their own little planet somewhere and just decide that they don't need to be the two greatest influencers in the entire galaxy. Sounds great to me. They can just be themselves without having to be purely good or purely yeah. evil. I really did not think we would get into Star Wars speculation because you know, <laughs> you know as much as I do and many of our listeners know, I don't like speculation and theorizing and I didn't want to come to this place. <laughs> I'd rather go in with no or little expectations and... For the record, there has been a new Star Wars trailer more recently. I have not watched it. I've seen that image going around of a certain character. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about because you live in a beautiful nope. <laughs> internet world. Star spoiler Wars, free. Spoiler free. I'm trying to avoid spoilers. I haven't even been on Twitter for months. So you may be laughing at me because there's something in the trailer that, I don't know, hints that there's no possibility at all of of kylo ren ben solo being redeemed dear listener but don't laugh at me i haven't seen the trailer and i don't want to and we need to stop talking about <laughs> speculation because it's making me nervous i like to speculate wildly i don't really expect my speculations wildly as in like true. porgs are the pure evil villains of the star wars exactly. universe or something okay yeah. i'm game for that yes that's how my speculations go i don't really expect them to move off on their own little happy planet yeah I hope that my passion and love for Kylo Ren is infectious and not off-putting. <laughs> Let think, us know. You think somebody's going to hate you for your love of Kylo Ren? Well, I'm sure there are people out there because there, there are many Kylo Ren haters out there. But that's fine. I'm just saying, just seems like can a people accept? to hate a fictional character. Well, yeah, unless their name is Dunkelman. That's not a waste of time. <laughs> Of course, I guess you could argue the same thing. It's a waste of time to love a fictional character, no. but at least that's a positive emotion. Well, and that's what we're all about here is loving the things we love and letting the things we hate go by the wayside. So I feel like I should apologize for hating on Tall Girl. But I think it's the reason I bring up those kinds of discussions is because they're important from a moral, ethical, social standpoint. Moving forward in yeah, that world. To improve the tropes that we're using in fiction. I want to bring up a few villains who are, I, I don't feel like I can categorize them in either pure evil or humanized. I guess I would put them more under humanized, but they're pure evil in that their motives are purely selfish. Like those villains who care only for themselves, their own well-being, their sense of status or wealth or whatever it is that's so important to them. And that that purely selfish motive at some point comes at odds with whatever the hero's goal is. Right, that then affects those around them. So let's start with Lady Catherine de Bourgh of Pride and Prejudice fame. Played by the indefatigable Dame Judi Dench in the... Was it 2006, Keira Knightley? I can't remember the year. Yeah, Keira Knightley won. Mm, I think it was 2007 or 8. Yes, Lady Catherine de Bourgh is one of those characters who just wants her family life to be perfect, her daughter to have a marriage with Darcy, for the family name to stay strong, for the money to stay in the family, for all the wealth and status to stay in the family and so her motives are just selfish and she doesn't care if elizabeth gets hurt or you know whatever it is so long as she gets what she wants i love when she calls elizabeth you know you selfish girl because <laughs> that seems like the black of uh, the 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 pot calling the kettle black what's interesting about these types of characters that are just such a wall to the hero and are purely selfish they are way more frustrating than a purely evil character because you just want to be like, just stop doing that. Versus the purely <laughs> evil character, you have no hope for them, like There's we talked about. And you also just 
can sort of see the end in sight of the hero vanquishing the villain. Whereas these much more gray characters, it's harder to see how the hero is going to so you know conquer them conquer them in quotes right because as a hero trying to defeat a gray villain or a more humanized villain they can't you know elizabeth can't just kill lady Catherine, or she's no longer the hero you know that might happen in pride and prejudice (laughs) and zombies i don't i read that a long time ago i it probably does but i don't remember (laughs) but she can't be the hero anymore if she why, you know, because she's not a purely evil villain, she can't just kill her off. She has to figure out a more diplomatic way around the problem. Right. We as the audience give much more leeway to a hero vanquishing a purely evil character through violent means. Whereas right. um, in these stories that aren't maybe aren't fantastical at all, or um, if it is a fantasy characters that are much more gray, we aren't as forgiving for the hero destroying them or defeating them through extreme means extreme means because then all of a sudden they feel like the villain and they're our hero also going along the same jane austen lines fanny dashwood from my favorite jane austen sense and sensibility actually it's my second favorite persuasion's my favorite they're close they're tied i can't decide but fanny dashwood might be my favorite uh antagonistic character in all of jane austen's novels just because she's the worst she is so selfish. She, I mean, her father-in-law has died and she's trying to talk her husband out of giving money to his half-sisters and his stepmother. She barely even talks. I don't know if it's the same in the book as in the movie, but in the movie, she barely even talks. Just her presence gets her husband to keep like reducing the money down lower and lower. <laughs> right. Like She barely <laughs> says a word. She's like... You know, I think she says something. How could but. they need half as much as that when you know she's living off of three times that amount? And there's only one of her versus four of them. And it's just, she's just the worst. And you can't help but dislike her, which is, you've got to have somebody in the book to dislike or else the book isn't that fun. She is also the cause of so much of the drama of that story. Like yes. Without her, there's little story, <laughs> which is a sign of a true villain. The one who creates the drama, the yeah, chaos. Yeah. She is the Joker of Jane of Austen. Jane Austen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Side note: She's also in Star Wars. That actress. Yes. She's Ties. the one, the healer that's helping out Chewbacca and is and all. She says, she's all flirty with him. Well, that sounds dreadful. I thought it was something. more patronizing. Maybe. Maybe we read that scene she, differently. I thought she was flirty. flirting with. You know. I think you're hero. projecting. <laughs> with your love of Chewbacca here. I do love Chewbacca. Can we talk about Snow Day? That's two episodes in a row. We're going to talk about Snow Day. Chad Simmons is the selfish villain of Snow Day. He just wants to be a popular, famous weatherman and will do whatever it takes, even if it means stepping on Chevy Chase, which that's a whole other discussion about the worthiness of stepping on Chevy Chase. So let's move on. Um, Pure evil Cormac McLaggen. Oh, you didn't put this in the pure evil category. No, he's not pure evil, but he's purely selfish. He wants the spot on the Quidditch team. Did we mention he's Harry Potter? People oh, yeah. are like, who is Who's Cormac, Cormac McLaggen? Is that uh, your Irish uncle, yes. Cormac McLaggen, Scottish? Um, but yeah, so he is wants to be on the Quidditch team. He wants to be Hermione's boyfriend. He just wants what he wants when he wants it. He's very selfish and um, self-centered in that way. And last one, you wanted to talk about Prince John from the animated Robin Hood. Absolutely. You can't be a true villain without some good uh, villainous alliterations. 
and he's got quite a few in there. Go back and listen. I mean, he's got uh, the Fat Friar and the Corpulent Cleric. Some good. I, I like villainous a, alliteration. I like a villain with some poetry. Yes. They go hand in hand. <laughs> and he's another one who just wants the money, the status, the power that he was denied because he, you know, his brother is king, and he will do anything to get it, including imprisoning all the poor animals of nottingham thanks for joining us this episode let us know what you think did we forget a villain that's your favorite whether it's a purely evil villain or a villain with more complex motivations and do you agree with us disagree that a story with a purely evil villain can't sustain itself without some side villains with more complex motivations is there a story that exists with only a pure villain let us know what you think don't forget to rate and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to Hello From Elsewhere. It really helps us reach more listeners like you. And don't forget to engage with us on Twitter and Instagram at elsewhere underscore pod. Now the, the tides on Mustafar are shifting, so we got to get out of here before the, the lava. Well, we need to get up to the tower because Kylo Ren's coming for tea. Oh, Vader's castle up there? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's get out of here. Happy beeps. Happy beeps. <laughs>